Yeah, you lucked out um, <laughs> getting out of there a few weeks early, man. It was it was just chaos. Yeah, I mean, I heard I heard mixed things about it because like a lot of people were just like, "Oh, you should have stayed and got severance." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that for sure. Yeah, but. But then, like, yeah, I heard everything else was like a shit show for sure. Yeah, um, people were just playing a uh, Super Smash Brothers as soon as they got in the door. <laughs> one dude, one dude, um, he would come in and immediately he'd sign onto his computer and he'd immediately go to the couch to sleep. And like that's that's how he was showing up. And eventually, somebody was like, "This is fucking bullshit," and told Kyle, and he got fired on the spot like that day. Cause he comes in, signs, and it just sleeps, dude. It was, it was I mean, so, so chaotic. Wouldn't Kyle like notice that? Um, he was. I don't know. It was. It was so chaotic that I think a lot of shit was flying under the radar. Like that probably should. I mean, the business was dying, so like, I think the care factor was. Yeah. Definitely dropping, but that's what. Yeah, that's what I heard about it. it like, just people playing games or building the Lego thing that. That Kyle bought for the office. You yeah, that like bucket of Lego. <laughs> yep, that swing thing with the ring. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I miss I miss that place a lot for sure. Um, but I, there's a lot. Of, I I miss it mostly because of the people. Like I tell, especially all of, like the Finn people I know that like it's kind of crazy how quality of people came into that place. Yeah. Uh, and we were all just kind of like very close knit and it was easy to talk to people or like everyone seemed pretty chill for the most part um like that's like pretty hard to match if it if it wasn't for that place like as much as crazy as it was as i would say unethical as it was and the stuff we were charging was so ridiculous like (laughs) a dollar a minute for a person to play on their phone and then get you like it was a dollar a minute to do someone's google search yeah but if it wasn't for finn like i wouldn't be where i'm at now like it definitely helped me develop skills got me out of a really really shitty job um previously and like that was my gateway to where i'm at now so yeah i can't i can't thank finn enough for that as well like the people that i met as well as you know kind of giving me that bridgeway to (laughs) actually doing something adult like an adult job yeah uh, yeah, definitely the people. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, same thing with me. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, if if I didn't work at Finn and didn't meet Rickley, I probably wouldn't have gotten the job that I did as quickly yeah. as, I, as, I, as I could have. Um, or same thing with what you mentioned with, like, the skills. Like, there is a ton of stuff that I still use today that I learned specifically from that place that has been helpful so like when when rickley was here we talked a lot about like telling for clarification yeah because people are so shit at communication especially over like work emails Mm -hmm. so like being extra specific about like date and time and time zone and also like okay i saw that you asked me to do this so i'm going to do exactly this with these conditions if you have any questions let me know yeah that's been monumental absolutely um when uh, the job I got afterwards, um, I was working with some of our higher tier clients like um, Facebook, Amazon, and stuff like that. I was kind of in charge of um, dealing with the users of that platform from mm-hmm. these bigger companies. And if it wasn't for learning tell for clarification, like I would be pretty shitty at my job. But being able to develop that skill, like it was really cool and really refreshing to hear some of these clients be like, 
Aaron doesn't feel like we're going to support for troubleshooting. He feels like a business partner, like wanting us to help manage his accounts and doing it successfully. And that like, that was my favorite part of where I was working. Mm-hmm. Where where did you go after Finn? Uh, Splash. Splash. Um, oh yeah, I remember Splash. And then, um, yeah, Splash was Splash was like a for whatever reason it was like a hot spot for people for Finns. Yeah, like, wanting to go to. Yeah, I I lucked out. Um, I'm not there anymore. I just started with a dentro a few months ago, but um, got Ashley. I don't know if you remember Ashley. Got her job at Splash, and she freaking excelled. Like she came in and just <laughs> she's like probably the best person at the company right now when it comes to like knowledge of the information and stuff and then we got Mia on board at Splash as well and then from there like I left not too long after she she signed up so cool so what what did Splash do or what did you do at Splash yeah it was uh um I was gonna make some sort of cheesy joke like uh, what did you do at Splash besides making waves (laughs) (laughs) um I was uh, started out as a um, enterprise support support specialist, okay. but like I was overnight, so that's probably how I got the job. Is because like I was like, okay, I'll be on the shift um, from one a.m. to ten a.m. to help with global clients mm-hmm. or whatnot, and that's my willingness to take that is probably how I got in. I, I eventually got to the day shift, but it's like an event managing website, so okay. um, like Facebook. Like I was working with the higher tier clients, so like Facebook or Amazon would create like scalable event sites and use these event sites over and over for like internal company events or like webinars, events that they may have and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. as you can imagine, it took a hit in COVID because we were basically set up for live events only, but like mm-hmm. they pivoted so well into virtual events like really quickly and like was able to stay afloat. Um, That's super cool. With that. What? what- what sort of virtual events would like be sustainable for that company? Yeah, um, so they they integrate, of course, with like other virtual platforms. So it's not like Splash is hosting the videos, but basically we would integrate or like embed um, these these uh, platforms onto the thing. So people would sign up for an event, and then on the day of the uh, event they would check in, and then they could just watch the event, the virtual event from from that website wherever they set it up. It was a Splash was a great company. I loved the product. I loved um, working there uh, at that time. I think, you know, the the burnoutness from COVID and everything kind of like mm-hmm. eventually hits you. I was like, I need something new. I, and um, actually the person, the job I'm working at now, my manager is somebody I was working with at Splash. And like we worked really, really well together. She could tell I was like ready to move on. So she extended a hand and I, I love where I'm at right now. So, mm-hmm. And so what do you do now? It's called Adentros, and basically what it does is um, they'll ship out routers to to uh, different restaurants or places of business or whatnot, and then um, people have to sign on the internet to, if the people want to sign on the internet, then we get that contact data um, logged into the system, and then those restaurants and businesses can email market them, and they can, they can uh, check who's coming back in after an email marketing has come out. So it's like walkthrough rates is what uh, what they specialize in. Basically, we're able to tell like, hey, since this person signed online, you send an email to market like a discount or a special or something, and then they've come back into the store because of that um, email thing. So that's where the it's value is sneaky. in that. Yeah, the value <laughs> in it is great. I think it's a super, super valuable product. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I, I love... I really love cool. the fact that I'm working on it. So basically what I'm doing there is I was working with some higher tier clients at Splash 
And now I'm working with our larger, like, restaurant chains, business chains, or whatnot at, at uh, Adentro. Adentro. That's, mm-hmm. that's where I work. Okay. <laughs> so I usually will print out notes for whichever guest that I'm having. And on it, I have a, an intro. So I forgot to do yours. Sweet. Even though we've been talking for 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it's easy to edit in, but I still kind of need yeah. to do it. Because it's like... Okay. Oh, no, what program do you use to, like, edit everything? And how do you choose, like, what snippets, where the flow is? It's a great question. Great questions. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to Between the Soup, the show where friends become closer friends, and the show where I talk to people about experience that is unique to them. I'm not on Twitter, but you can follow the podcast Instagram at betweenthesoup.pod, where I'll post updates on episodes and behind-the-scenes content. I'm your host, Gilbert, and today we are joined by Aaron Bettinger. Uh, Aaron and I met about four years ago at the Finn Exploration Company, and after much nagging and pleading, he agreed to catch up again over the, the podcast. Uh, Aaron graduated with a bachelor's degree in telecommunication uh, production at Ball State University and now works in client retention at a marketing agency here in Phoenix. Aaron, I'm glad and happy that you're finally here and you were down to do the podcast yeah, even after that. a few a few months. So welcome to Between the Soup. Yeah, I'm a procrastinator for sure, but... That's okay. I always want to I mean, do it. There's no, there's no like set timeline for for shit either. If you're interested, like I, like I obviously want guests to come in and I want to talk to people so that way I have stuff to put out. Yeah. Um, but it's not like oh I, you know I need to hit these quotas. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Because like, it's like if I don't put, if I don't put out an episode next week, like who's gonna give a shit? <laughs> no, like realistically, no one. So, um, it's just like. It's it's a fun thing to, to stay consistent with and to keep doing. For sure. But there's no pressure in, like, you know, you have a life, too. You have shit that you're doing. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't hang out with your boy G-Bird for <laughs> a few hours, then that's, like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you hit me up at a really weird transitional point. Um, I was switching jobs, trying to ramp up at Adentro, and mm-hmm. uh, just, like, and my grandma and uncle had just died um, from COVID. And so, like, I was at this real, like, I don't know, like, in a shell. I wanted to do it, but I was like, I need to get these things in line yeah. first with my job. And, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, where we Yeah, were. that's the other thing, too. Like I said, you have, you have a life. You have priorities and, like, you know figuring stuff out with, like, you know, your, your major source of income. Yeah. It takes precedent over... <laughs> no, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I'm super stoked to be yeah. here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you came over too. Like it's like I said, I think that you're a cool guy and you're easy to talk to. Like I, I remember, I was telling Sam and Nicole this today too. Like, um, like I remember just like after whenever we would hang out at like Valley Bar or something like that. It's like when everybody else left, we could still just like be there and talk. Yeah, I still remember. Uh, I think it was the first time we went out to lunch together and getting. Getting a um, crescent ballroom, and they fucked up your tacos oh twice. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> I, I think about that a lot. Whenever I whenever I see, because I follow crescent ballroom at or on Facebook, and so whenever I see like an event or something come up there, or when they advertise their food, I'm just like, I rem- like those tacos smacked. But yeah, but I remember that time too. And yeah, like, they they brought out wrong the first time, and then they brought out wrong the second time. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and you're like, like, fuck it, we're going back to work. Yeah. Fuck this. <laughs> I remember that was, that was kind of a shitty experience, but uh, are you? I saw that you were with someone. Is it the same person? Yeah, we recently November twenty seventh celebrated ten years. Wow! Together. So congrats. Yeah, everybody's. We 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 finally <laughs> set a wedding date. Like everybody's, you know, I have Republican parents and she has parents as well. Like 
<laughs> they like, hey, how come you guys haven't gotten married yet? And yeah, um, I don't know. There's like no rush to do that, but yeah, I'm stoked that we're going to, and we're looking at 2023. Cool to do so on um, mm-hmm. April. Send but your boy an invite. I love for sure, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, low key, we're just trying to get like see if we can get some food trucks at a like real chill area. It's not, weddings don't have to be that like extravagant 30,000 extravagant type of thing yeah the honestly the last wedding that i went to had a food truck and it was like it's like i i think if you were to invite guests that are like that are gonna actually like criticize you for something like that like oh this food isn't like plated salmon or steak or whatever then like why the fuck do you have them at their wedding like you're there to have a good time like who gives a shit what like what food choice it is or whatever the coolest the coolest thing happened again right before covid but che and had got married to his wife uh steph now they rented out this mansion like out in paradise valley i think but like on the hills and they had um a vegetarian indian um team come in and like cook this huge vat of like different curries or whatnot and everybody was like had like six or seven different things. Or actually, I think it was more than six or seven, but things around like a thing of rice. Mm-hmm. And people were just going in with their that hands at the wedding. It was amazing. It was, honestly, I've, I've never had an experience that cool. And just the food was delicious. I went in on my hands and the, the cook who was cooking the thing was like, yes, this guy's legitimate. And it made me feel like so happy that this the chef was like, hey, he's eating it the right way type of thing. Nice. It was so fun, dude. Yeah. Or that makes me think of like even Sam's wedding. Like they had like a a mobile pizza oven. Oh and sweet! Like, yeah, so everybody had pizza and it was dope. Like, <laughs> That's like, awesome. Have you, have you tried Busy? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Should we do that? Yeah, we can do that next. Okay. They're, they're pretty good. I do like hard kombucha. That's something like I've hard kombucha. But like it, you can only have like three of those before your stomach is really like just <laughs> being yeah, like, why I, did you do this? To I'm me? not, I'm not too keen on kombucha to just yeah. regular. So like hard kombucha sounds like just double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I became like a real wino over COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I do drink by myself at home, you know, playing, <laughs> playing video games, but like I, I switched to wine because I was like, I can't just keep pushing back beers. Like I'm not moving around much in the day. I'm like beer. The calorie intake is just, crazy so maybe if i'd go down to yeah. wine it's like it's but it's equally as bad yeah <laughs> i was gonna say it's it's a trade-off of like carbs for normal grams of sugar yeah i guess it depends on like the kind of wine or kind of beer that you get but for the most part like beer is just like liquid bread and wine is just <laughs> never thought of that way. yeah <laughs> Yeah. I do like uh, the Belching Beaver cider or seltzers. Have you ever had those? Mm-mm. I've never heard of it. There's, a, there's one. I think there's a guava in there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a totally different Who company. Who makes it? Belching Beaver. Oh. <laughs> Are they like local or like a chain? Or like I don't remember. I, I found them uh, a few years ago. And like they had this, I forget what type of beer it was, but like it was raw. Like they were pretty new, like inside the beer were like all these like particles and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool. Like, Oh man, this place is raw. Like they're giving me hops still in my beer, (laughs) hops, particles and stuff. And like, it was a great beer, but then like, I think they've started expanding and like now they're everywhere. Like you could probably find them at QT at this point, but just saying, I have to check them out. Yeah. Like I like trying different, different things, especially when it comes to drinks. So like, I don't know what your original question was exactly, but like, um, just to answer some of like editing questions, I guess I still edit in audacity because this is a controller and not an interface and I only have one channel. It's like 
I might as well just do it in here because I, I don't really like plan on doing anything special with it yeah. aside from uh, some stuff with the, with the audio to make it a little bit more loud and bassy. I guess the general workflow with, with editing is that it usually takes me about one and a half to two times the amount of time or one and a half to two times the length of the episode. So most of the time I'll listen to it once all the way through just yeah. to hear what all the conversation topics are make notes make yeah label label where those sections are see what i want to use and what i don't make sure that everything would fit and then the second pass that i go through is taking out everything i don't need and then rearranging stuff if it needs to be rearranged into like coherent thoughts do you do like actual mixing where like you're pushing hey this part was quieter so you push it up a little bit and stuff like that or uh, no that would take way too long yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i kind of just do for the most part i'll just kind of treat everything the same i'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on that <laughs> oh no 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 not at all um I, I was just curious because I'm, sh I'm sure i've told you before but like yeah my background was definitely very heavy and audio mm -hmm. working with stuff like that so i was just curious as to like what your process was mm -hmm. that's cool yeah i mean that's one of the the bigger topics that i had to ask you about too because i always thought that was like an incredibly interesting thing about <laughs> you you're like oh fuck here we go <laughs> So how did you get into to the the audio? Were you like an audio engineer and like I don't I yeah. know that you've mentioned this before in the past, but like I don't know what any of the specifics are. Actually, for the most part, I don't know like the specifics of like a lot of your life. <laughs> I just just like which is like you know fine, but I knew I knew that you had lived in Taiwan and that you speak the language, right? Yep. Yeah, that's sick. I remember seeing you and Axel talk. That was. Oh yeah, so cool. Yeah, Axel was pretty good in Chinese. Like, yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I know he was there for only a few years, and <laughs> I spent eighteen years there. So of course I'm gonna like that was my first language before English was. Mm -hmm. But like he, he didn't have like that much of that you know foreigner accent that that people people speaking Chinese do. So that was that was really fun talking to Axel. With. Mm -hmm. Would it be easier to start talking about like your experience in Taiwan, or well, we we were talking about audio. I can. Sure, yeah, let's, that. let's just go with that. So um, in Taiwan, so <laughs> I guess we do go back to Taiwan a bit, but like in Taiwan, <laughs> me and my friends, um, we had a band um, and we were, we were pretty successful. Like people loved our stuff. Like we went, we did shows and stuff and like, it was like so, so, so fun to do. But then like I came to college in the United States and I was still playing a bit. Like there were some really good guys I jammed with that were, they were like, hey, do you want to be in a band? But I was too busy partying and fucked up all the time. To the point where I eventually sold my guitar for beer money, which was so stupid. Like, in hindsight, I hate that. But I was like, you know what? I want to do audio, but I don't want to be playing. I want to be behind the glass. So eventually I started taking um, audio courses at Ball State University. And then I ended up being a TA and was able to do a lot of projects, um, like video projects. Um, and adding sound to that, which one of the projects actually got nominated for a regional Emmy, which cool. was really cool to have my name tied to. But so <laughs> I went to school for four years doing that. And then I came out to Phoenix because I was like, oh, there's a conservatory of recording arts and sciences. Mm. What a sham, dude. Like <laughs> basically they taught everything I, I already knew, but like in like this fast course and like they don't promise jobs. They don't do anything like it's like a tech school I don't know, like just very surface level. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. And one time, um, 
Anyways, yeah, we can go. That's a whole like another down the road conservatory. But after that, I got an internship at Blackbird Studios in Nashville, which is one of the biggest studios in in the United States. Um, it's owned by Martina McBride's husband. That was cool. But like, I interned for two years plus, and for no money whatsoever. My parents were like supporting me the whole time, thinking I had this dream. And then like, it eventually hit me that I think. I didn't care as much about audio as I cared about being known as an audio person. Mm. So like at, at that point I'd given so much of my life <laughs> to audio that like my only option for a real world job was to do like AV stuff. And like, that's when I signed up with uh, PSAV, the, the absolute worst job. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend anybody work there. I'm sure Honestly, like I would fantasize about getting rich enough to buy the company and sink it. Like that's how <laughs> that's how like much I hated that job. Was that the job that you had before Finn? That was the job I had before Finn. And so like sitting in Finn and being able to like develop these new skills, like I was so desperate like to do as good as I could because I could not go back to that. What was so AB. bad about the other job? Just like I'm sure do you go on Reddit like the anti-work stuff where they talk about like managers just overusing their employees and because like with PSAV, like we'd be working heavy loads of like screens, truss, audio equipment. And I was the lead audio guy at the place I was working at. So that was cool because I was kind of like a liaison with clients and stuff, which helped with the customer service aspect of why I got in the fin. But this guy, our boss, we would spend six to seven hours building up like these elaborate big conference sets with screens, truss and everything. And then he'd come in come in for five minutes and be like, I don't like this, I don't like this. And we'd have to redo like a huge majority of everything. And like, we were forced to stay overtime to accomplish these things that if he walked in five hours early and let us know, like we probably could have got it set up and go home. But we were forced to stay longer because this guy was like, oh, I don't like the aesthetic of that screen over there after we spent so much time on it. Yeah. I mean, he, it was, uh, so is that is that particular job why you just didn't want to just be in audio anymore? Well, Nashville. So after I worked at Blackbird, there was this um, engineer, and he was there uh, using Blackbird quite frequently. Um, he was a Grammy Award winning engineer, David Hall, and he was really cool to take me under his wing. Um, and uh, it was fun. I just got so burnt out, and by that point, like once I was burned out, and like I wasn't ready. To, like I was doing some of my own projects as well. And like, I think because of my burnout, the projects weren't coming out like as great as I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you couldn't pay me to go back to audio. But at that point, like I had no other skills. Like I had spent 10 years learning, doing audio, like mm-hmm. AV and trying to get in with those things was like really all I had left. So mm-hmm. Um, and I just need a steady paycheck at that point because I was going unpaid for like two years as an intern uh-huh. at that point. So that's also interesting that you said that you had no skills because, like, in terms of of hard skills, maybe, but soft skills, do you still feel that way? No, not anymore. And that's why, again, like bringing back Finn again, it's like it helped me develop those skills. I think PSAV did help me develop it by making me audio lead because, as audio lead, you know, like clients would come to you being like you can be the point person for them in the hotel and stuff. So like I was developing customer service skills in person there, but Finn really helped me um, push that to like, you know. Just have better quality. Yeah, better quality. And instead of in person, you know, like digital communication, of course, like being able to use your voice to talk that. And so with that, 
Splash, then now Adentro like has helped me learn those soft skills. So now that I'm dealing both in Splash and Adentro now, um, dealing with some of our higher t- tier clients because they trust me to mm-hmm. with those skills to to communicate. What's been like the most uh, helpful for you in terms of soft skills that you still carry, like that you've carried from maybe from Finn throughout Splash and now Adentro? Yeah, um, I think it's just the way I communicate with people. I've always been like. A pretty decent writer when mm-hmm. it comes to like just hey writing writing out something directly telling for clarification for example <laughs> yeah. but like um, I don't know just uh, there's there's a bitterness of uh, splash how I started because they were like they talked at me for two weeks to onward and they were like now you're in overnights figure it out and I was like the only person there <laughs> so like I think being able to figure things out on my own and make those communications with no like supervision whatsoever. I think Finn definitely helped develop that to carry on to splash, to carry on to where I'm at in Dentro now. Mm-hmm. So I guess I should probably, so this is a theme that comes up like a lot on the podcast because Rickley said the exact same thing with like communication being the most important. Like she, yeah. she basically, she's in a, an analyst role too. And so I asked her what was the most important skill to have. And she said communication. Um, and I mentioned tell for clarification a lot, like uh, not only with like fins that come on on the podcast, but with, just like with most people. But I don't think I've ever actually explained what it is. So yeah, <laughs> for the for the audience, um, tell for clarification is basically it. I mean, it, it's kind of in its namesake. So if someone, especially within a work environment, gives you uh, some sort of task, let's say let's say Aaron's my boss and he's like, hey, go get me a drink. Uh, me telling for clarification would be replying to that in like let's say an email or a message and saying like okay I'm going to get you a drink we have Vizzy most available so I'm going to grab you a Vizzy yeah let me know if you have any questions with that and then that way you can put Aaron in the position of saying no I actually meant uh, I wanted beer um that's a very rough example, but it could be applied to anything. Scheduling in, meetings, yeah, especially. Scheduling meetings, like you're telling them what you're going to do and the clarification that you get from their reply is essentially bringing to light their, their lack of communication. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's such a cool skill to learn because it's like a lot of people are vague. They don't know that the communication when they're talking to you. There's so many open holes, but they want you to complete something for them. So by telling them like this uh-huh. directly, like this is exactly what I'm going to do, whether that message is vague or not, not asking questions like, hey, do you want, do you like the busy example, not, hey, which drink do you want? Mm-hmm. Rather, you'd be like, okay, I'll get you that busy. Yeah. And then. Yeah. That, I mean, that's mostly important because it, like you, you want to do something like for for your boss or whoever it is that you're interacting with but you like if you're unsure then you can still do what it is that you're asking that they're asking of you but you're 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 putting the power in your hands to be like okay i'm doing exactly what you told me and here's Mm -hmm. how i interpreted it if that's wrong that's on whoever sent the message in the first place to correct you yeah the the worst part about tell for clarification is like um you do have the confidence, like, action on yourself, mm-hmm. but, like, if you don't get that communication back, you yeah. have to make an action at a certain point. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just let it linger. So you kind of wait for that clarification to come back before you actually act, but if they just wait for forever, they're going to expect an action at a certain point. So, like, 
that's the only like downside of clear uh tell for clarification in yeah. my opinion is... I, I agree with that it's so weird like the more the more friends that i talk to everyone's like yeah i'm really into audio or music or like stuff like that yeah. it's like which i think is super cool but it's like i never like a lot of people don't really talk about it for whatever reason yeah and it's like that's why not it's sick <laughs> that's such a cool thing to, to like about you a, a big part of my burnout though was being in that audio world having like audiophile uh audiophile like you know con connections that i would see day to day or whatever and just some of these people wouldn't even be able to enjoy music without being like oh man if they just took a little bit of the specific hurts out of the song then you know this would be a really kick ass mm. sound and stuff it's i know like, people like that that elitism just burnt me the fuck out to be honest like I, I love music. I love audio. And I, I like really pay attention to like how movies are mixed and stuff like that because I really like that aspect of um, when I was doing audio. But like it's it was people like that like constantly in my day-to-day -day life that was like yeah. some, sometimes like – and it's not like they didn't it's have just, a point. Yeah. It just tarnishes like the whole – like the whole reason why it that it was created in yeah. the first place. Like you make music for the people to enjoy and if you're being – overly nitpicky about it then yeah like you're you're missing the point yeah and I, I totally get that it like it's supposed to be subjective like when it comes to like hey i want to make this mix or i want to do this or whatever uh, most of the time it's supposed to be subjective of course you want to hear sound good but like some people were so like the people i was working with were so about the rules of like it has to be this way because it's been done so it doesn't make audio fun as much anymore because like you're kind of confined to like exactly that set of skills that yeah, they are expected from you. Yeah. <laughs> so, still love audio. I'm never being. I wouldn't mix anybody's stuff ever again, to be honest. So, is is it more? It sounds more like the the people, the other people that you've worked with, are the roadblocks to enjoying that versus stuff like the 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 work process that goes behind it. Yeah. I mean, one of the big nights, I was doing this album for, I forget her name, it was like Molly something, and the producer was there, and... I was expecting you to be like, hey, I was doing this something for this uh, this Billy girl, but Billy <laughs> <laughs> No, I did meet quite a few, like, really big clients while I was at Blackbird, mm -hmm. but uh, this was like a solo project I was doing. She was a country singer, mm. and I was a... Uh, helping get that engineer because the producer was paying me basically and the piano guy the piano guy was getting really fucked up during our session like from the day he was from the moment he was there in the morning to when he was doing his part at night he was just drinking the whole time mm -hmm. and like when you audio you punch in right like you press for them to jump in at a certain part of the song and he kept missing it and then even though he was the one that kept messing it, everybody in the studio, he was the one who kept messing it. He came, he stopped, he came in the studio, pointed at me like, this newbie motherfucker has no fucking idea what he's doing. He can't catch my part. And everybody's like, dude, it's you. Like, you're not the one that do it. But just that one moment in itself, I think that was when the ultimate burnout happened. Because I was like, you know, I, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I didn't want to do that anymore. So That's shitty. That was, that was <laughs> I don't think we even finished the album because I was like, I just flaked out like from then on out. So the producer got a new engineer to do it. But like that that night was like yeah, that was the that was the burnout night for mm -hmm. sure. So so it is more of the people. More of the people. Like <laughs> yeah, but wow. but yeah, just like getting getting into the zone where like you're mixing and editing all that stuff. You know, making sure everything's right. Like 
sitting there for 10 hours a day like as an assistant engineer with some people as they're like I don't know it just it sucks I invested so much into that and it t took like years working at a shitty AV job before I was able to break out of that was like feels like a lot of wasted life you know like feels like I could have could have set myself better instead of being 35 and you know just now getting to where I want to be kind of I disagree with that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, that to me just sounds like more come like on the comparison front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if, if you weren't comparing yourself to, you know, what life should look like, then that wouldn't be an issue. It's just like, oh, that was just part of my life. It is what it is. And now I'm here now. It is what it is. Yeah. And it's good advice. Like, and one of the guys I worked with in there was like, her... Ernesto Olvera, I still remember that dude. He was like the sweetest dude ever. Became a really successful, like pretty successful audio engineer in his own like terms. Mm -hmm. But he was always like telling you whenever you were fresh about anything, exact, he would be like, you're exactly where you need to be at this moment in time in your life. And like, <laughs> just him saying that coming out of his mouth, especially like, cause he was such a chill guy. Like, you're like, you know what? Everything is all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like it is for you overall. And I think that even though it, you know, it didn't work out in a, in a career aspect, it's still like a, a super cool background to have. Or yeah. Like, or even it's just a, a, an immense life lesson to, to show you what you actually want. Um, that, very true. Yeah. So could that even be considered a waste? It's hard to... I look back on it with so much like regret, to be honest, that like, I don't think I can comfortably be like, no, it wasn't a waste. But like, it probably wasn't, <laughs> you know? There we go. <laughs> like, I mean, we, I wasn't making any money. My parents were supporting me for like, while I was chasing this pipe dream. We were so poor, like Alexa and I had to use her Kroger credit, or not Cole's credit card to buy chocolate, like just to eat. Like, and if I hadn't set myself up to be like, you know what, I'm gonna be successful someday. I'm gonna go down this path. When just kind of getting taken advantage of like for that period of time, like, I know. That's why I'm not gonna say it's not a waste, but I do wish I had lived those periods. But I mean, it did teach me a lot too, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it wasn't, it's not, it may, maybe it's not something that you're proud of. Yeah. Think. Like you're not proud of it and I think that that works, but it's still like part of your journey or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> and I think that's fine. Like, I think everybody has that where it's like, you look back on your life and you're like, wow, I wish I did that differently. But I think that also shows like a, a level of like growth and maturity with it too. Cause there's a lot of people who will go through the path that you did and not change and then also blame other people. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Alexa and I, we take a look back at like where we are now, like the jobs we have, based on where we were using a Kohl's credit card for chocolate just to eat like we've come a fucking long way like yeah which is which is great but and you could also say that like you you might even appreciate what you have now more because of like you kind of understand the dichotomy of where you used to be yeah versus now where it's like okay now you know I was growing up I was learning I was figuring out what I want to do and now that I'm in this place like I can I can actually autonomously make that decision it's within my control yeah very true dude so we have to revisit those times backing up a lot so you said that you were in a band when you were in taiwan uh i'm guessing you were born there 
I was not, but I did oh. move there when I was 14 months old. Okay. So pretty close. It's like you were a baby. You're like, you know what? I'm going to go to Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> no, my parents moved there when I was 14 months old, 18 months old. Anyways, I was pretty much a tot when like we moved there and they moved there uh, as missionaries. Yeah. I've spent the entire formative years of my life, like 18 years in Taiwan growing up. So I've actually spent more time in Taiwan than I have in the United States until next year. Wow. Next year, That's cool. Next year will be equal. I feel like so fortunate that I was able to grow there. Like, and like I said, Chinese was my first language before English. I was, my parents, um, they were in one of the bigger cities which had like American schools and stuff, but then they moved to the other side of the island. Um, in Hualien is what it was called. Mm-hmm. And that place, I don't know if there was American school, but they put me in Chinese kindergarten and everything. And we were actually living across the creek from a tribe of people who used to be headhunters in Taiwan, mm. which was really cool. And like being missionaries, my dad was like, you know, in the church with them. So like I, I got to not only experience like um, Chinese life, you know, like the people of China who had moved over to Taiwan, but also like the tribal life um, because there were like, they called the nine tribes of Taiwan. There were like nine tribes in Taiwan, but I got to uh, experience with the Ame tribe there. And it was like, Really cool. Like, getting to grow up like that. And then we moved back across um, the island. And I went to start going to American school there. Like, I went to China school t- till third grade. I don't know. There's so much. Like, if there's any specifics, feel free to ask. But, like, <laughs> like it was such a rich, like, experience. Like, Taiwan is honestly one of the most amazing. When I think about that, I think more of, like, the comparison between, like, growing up there and living here now. Um when you were growing up, was that like a, a concern for you? So <laughs> that's a funny question because like growing up in Taiwan, like I have three brothers and one is my second brother is like only 16 months away from me. So like we were like partners growing up like our whole 18 years. And like, even though we got to grow up in Taiwan, we of course were looking at like living in America, like with like, we coveted that because like, hey, everybody else is growing up in America. A lot of media in Taiwan's America. So we thought like coming to America would be like such a cool new experience. So mm-hmm. like we did furlough. So we'd come back every once like four years to like visit family and friends and stuff like that. But like only for like six months period of time. We, we always coveted living here because we lived over there. But like we really didn't know how good we had it over there. So like looking back on it, I find like such childish stupidity and being like, Oh, we we have to go to uh, America to like live the dream life that we wanted. And like honestly, we were honestly kind of already living in Taiwan. So, so yeah, um, have, they they have of course there's Taiwanese colleges over there. And my Chinese is good, but like I also wanted to experience America. So like I didn't try to go for like a Taiwanese college over there at all. So I moved to Indiana of all fucking places. But that's where my like extended family okay. was. So they were like an hour away. And I felt like if I was moving to America, going to a college by myself, I kind of wanted like a support system to be nearby. So, mm-hmm. what was your experience like coming to um, the U.S. for for school? <laughs> I remember like the first uh, the first thing I remember is being like, Americans are entitled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Americans are entitled. I I thought they were selfish. And I thought that everything had to be big. And I didn't understand why everything had to be in big portions, big sizes, big whatever. Like, I was like, 
where's where's the contentment in just being like you know just having and yeah and in, in taiwan too there's like such a community based culture like everybody's kind of there to support one another it's kind of weird to say like but because of like saving face being just you know really good people whereas america it just felt like everyone was kind of closed off and like i need my personal space and it was it was a really weird transition um going from that culture to this culture but i've been here long enough to kind of understand it at this point so mm -hmm. oh. so why between the soup it's interesting that we're talking about this too because i was talking to sam and nicole today about podcast titles and like how so many names are probably taken or not when i was thinking about like what i wanted to, to name this podcast i had like a list of different names okay and so i started looking them up on on spotify or apple or whatever and it's like everyone has the same shit yeah so it's like if you're talking about like psychology it's like brain talk like mind thinking bullshit yeah um not another podcast <laughs> you know yeah. Stuff like that. And uh, so in, in terms of the COVID theme, I was thinking about like, okay, we have people that are, are isolated and they, we want to talk to each other. And in, in my mind, what something that fit was like the tin can telephone. So like I could be in my house isolated and you could be in yours and we would have, we could be able to talk Dude. through, through these uh, cans together and have that connection. And that connection that happens is between presumably soup cans yeah that's um because like at first alexa and I'm like why between the soup and then we saw the logo and immediately we're like oh that's clever and then of course I'm, i told friends that i was doing this thing today or whatnot mm -hmm. they're like between the soup why between the soup and i'd show them the logo and they're like oh that's <laughs> clever you know? so like <laughs> yeah um so i mean that's where it, that's where it comes from and then when i looked it up like nothing close to between the the soup yeah like it's just it's just i think it's clever so as hell dude it, it works love it. thank you Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Between the Soup. I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, you can reach out to betweenthesoup.pod on Instagram to let me know what your thoughts were on the discussion. If you didn't like it, you should definitely let me know what your thoughts were so I can improve the show. Thanks again so much. It means a lot to me that you're tuning in.